Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. I had a really heartbreaking, good, rich, redemptive, anger-provoking conversation last week with my son, Sam. Um, He was here for a visit just a couple of days, and we were sitting out on the front porch uh, in the evening, and, and he said, hey, I was on your website, the Ransom Tart website. I was looking at what you believe and you know, kind of your doctrinal statement. And he, he says, you know, this thing about the Bible being inerrant, um, like, really? I mean, really? With all that we kind of know about, you know, what, weren't there two authors for Isaiah and aren't there contradictions in the Gospels and yada, yada, what – is that real and true and can we trust that and why is that important? And oh my goodness. I mean for – first off, for a father to be able to speak to his son about something that vital that um, – friends, if you don't have the Bible, you are adrift at sea. If we don't have confidence that God has spoken and that what he has spoken to us is reliable – you don't have Christianity. I mean, the you know, and the idea that you can hold on to Christianity without without a scripture that is reliable in its communication to us is absurd. Mm-hmm. I mean, bail, can it? Join the Peace Corps, you know, mm-hmm. or the Kiwanis Club, or you know, take up square dancing. I mean, this would be ridiculous to be a Christian if you don't hold to that. Welcome to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. You're jumping into a conversation with um, John Eldridge here and Craig McConnell. And we are wrapping up today a series that we've been doing on how did Jesus look at life? How did Jesus look at the world? What are kind of the core assumptions? Because the promise that he gave us in the scriptures, by the way, is that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. He says, if... You remain in my word, and, and the Greek there for remain is menos. It's, it's abide in, tarry in, linger. It's not like watch the news, turn it off, and go into your day. You know, if you stay in this, if you look at life the way I do, you will know the truth, and the truth is going to set you free. And that's the promise, and that's kind of why we chase this. We thought, you know, let's go into a series where we look at what are the assumptions Jesus makes about life, God, the Bible, the world, things like sexuality, and gender, and, you know, government, so on and so forth. So, Craig, why? Why does it matter? Yeah, yeah, great question. Uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And um, what you're hitting on there with your son on that front porch discussion is um, is the truth. Um, the truth will set you free. And beneath all our professions about what we think or believe or value, um, deeper than our professions are these core assumptions we make that direct how we live and mm. interpret the events and things happening in our life, what we're pursuing, um, they define 
what happiness and joy, fulfillment, meaning is, and how or where we'll find it. Uh, these assumptions uh, drive our reactions to world events, macro, micro events, our teenage daughter rebelling or our, our spouse um, not bringing us the joy we'd hoped for and our gender issues, what the meaning of life is. And I, and I think that um, linked to the deep transformation of our soul and to the, the joy God God wants us to have in this life are these assumptions. They're just core. They're key to the man or woman we want to be and how we get there. Um, that's why it's important. Um, really what we're talking about is how we view reality, the world, and life, and and um, and and what, yeah, just that. <laughs> okay, right. Because what trying to get poetic and philosophic, and it, it was beautiful. Uh, I was yeah. headed in the right direction. We got the spirit of it, <laughs> friends. Actually, what you're experiencing right now is the rush. It's the rush of the champagne into the neck of the bottle, like. <laughs> We, we are aware that this is our last yes. show, and there's so much that we want to say, so much that we want to try and communicate, and, you know, we've got 17 minutes to do it yeah. in. Um, there are so many things that we haven't even hit on. I wanted to give a couple of examples today, if only to kind of spur you on in your thinking about, what about art? What about um, beauty and, and the arts? You know, what place do they have in, in Jesus' worldview, in our life? Do they have value? And one of the stunning things about, um, you know, reading back through the scriptures and, and you just take the design either of the tabernacle or the temple. And in both places, you know, there are these details that are being given for sculpture and for tapestry, even for the hem of the priest's garment, which was going to have little pomegranates <laughs> embroidered on it. And, and you're thinking, really? Like, like, let's get on with the spiritual here. What's with the pomegranates? You know? and, and, but the phrase is this. The phrase is for glory and for beauty. Yes. That God cares about beauty. He cares about the arts. He cares about design and sculpture and architecture, and those things have a place in the kingdom of God. And, you know, what are your assumptions about that? What are your assumptions about the value of those things? Yeah. Uh, here would be another, and th this is a Lulu that we did not get into. What about something as controversial as the death penalty? Mm -hmm. Does Scripture speak to that? Mm -hmm. You know, and what I want to say is, if not, how can it be the Scripture? I mean, is God going to be silent on some of these really crucial and you know volatile issues of justice and mercy and public life and you know what's our position on those things mm -hmm. and where did we get that position from right you know and you have people ah oh, so many times um back in my college days debates taking place in you know political science classes and stuff and you know people say well the bible says you know thou shalt not kill Right. Actually, no. The Bible doesn't say thou shalt not kill. The Bible says thou shalt not murder. Yes. The Bible actually says there is a time to kill. Those are two different things, right? You shall not commit murder, yes. right? But um, God makes it very clear through his word that the taking of a human life, the penalty for that is 
the forfeit of your life, you know. And so that, yes, the Bible speaks to things like the death penalty. We don't just have to be swayed by passion or politics or, you know, the fervor of the day. There, you know, God's given us some guidance on these things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John, um, that our sources, the input of what's true and and what life is are so often wrong and limited. Another topic we didn't hit on that, um, I don't know why it comes to my mind, but is sex. I mean, uh, there's what people say the Bible says about it, and then there's the plain reading of Song of Solomon, and you're going, yikes, um, this looks interesting. What, what does God say about sex? It's he, place. He, yeah, he's, he's pretty for it. Yeah. You know, it's within the context of marriage, and then there you have it, you know. In fact, that raises another big one. Like, I'm actually pretty shocked at the movies that my Christian friends will watch regarding sex, like sex scenes, sexuality uh-huh. in movies, and like, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, hang on. You, you've got the celebration of sex in the Song of Songs, but it's discreet and it's poetic and it's not voyeuristic and you're not reading yes. a, you're not reading a graphic novel there you know mm-hmm. it, this is really holy mm-hmm. in its celebration of sexuality in the confines of marriage and there's this beautiful moment where um the husband and wife are on their honeymoon night in the song of songs and you're getting this things are kind of getting steamy mm-hmm. you know and then god says um Eat and drink, O oh lovers, have your fill. And then he literally pulls the curtain. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the scene. Like, mm-hmm. no, you don't get to watch Solomon and his bride making love. And yeah. so I want to go, whoa, whoa, time out. Then why are you comfortable watching that in movies? Like, that's not good for your soul. It's not good for the human eye and the apparatus and the soul that connects that to your heart to take those things in. So that would be another category of, whoa, whoa, where are your assumptions coming from in this stuff? What, right. Who's guiding this? Is it is it simply the torrent of the culture and, yeah. and you're just kind of being swept along with – you know, pacifism or whatever, you know, because it's hip on your campus or in your church and you go, wait, 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 time out. We've got some thoughts from God on this. Yes. Let's grab them. Let's, let's know them. Let's be rescued by the truth and let the truth set us free. That's the passion that you're hearing behind this, friends. You know, we don't want to sound like we're on a tirade. We just want to say, look, there's life to be had. There's freedom and rescue when we bring our assumptions um, into line with, well, how did Jesus look at that? Yeah. Let me give another one, um, an example of how practical this is. Uh, um, a man we both respect and probably agree with 95% of the time is uh, Dennis Praker. And uh, he wrote a book, and um, often on his uh, syndicated radio program, he makes the point that happiness, you know, is a moral obligation you know, in the impact of unhappy people on those around them, the world, a community, so on and so forth. And so you hear something like happiness is a moral obligation. Folks, what do you do with that? And I mean, is, is that is that true? Is that biblical? Is that what God expects or not? I mean, those, right. and there's statements on every topic of the world people yes. are telling us. Yes. And it's... Um, 
how do we respond? Do we assimilate, take that in, uh, or do we reject it? But those things are important. It's vital. It really is vitally important to the point that your soul is at stake, literally, on what you believe about some of these core things, what you believe about Jesus of Nazareth, Mm -hmm. you know, what you believe about forgiveness and and justice and what you believe about the, the life that's about to come, the show that we did last time, you know, your soul hangs on this. You know, it's mm-hmm. not that we're just kind of tinkering with some cool ideas. Huh, well, I wonder what I wonder what God thinks about, you know, 403K investments, you know. Um, there are some core assumptions to life that you are actually living by. Yes. Whether you know it or not, and to bring those assumptions to light, to let Jesus speak into them is is a rescue at, at just the most profound level. It's such a rescue. So, Craig, as we think about winding up this series, mm-hmm. what what would you want to say here at the close? What would you want to urge our friends in wrapping up this, um, which has been a, a pretty big passion of yours. I would want to say that the um, Christianity reduced to its simplest terms is to love the Lord our God with all our heart and mind, soul and strength with all our being. And, and to love him in some sense with our mind is is to see him clearly not to see him as he is and all that he has done and provided, and then to see what's true of ourselves and in the life that he has for us, and and then to to live well, um, thinking accurately and truly, um, having these core assumptions. It just seems that the life we long for in everything we yearn for, how we think, our assumptions, clinging to the truth is essential. And I, so I think there's a part of me that, and we've seen this, John, in some of the reaction to these podcasts, people are just going, wow, thank you. Mm-hmm. Some of it's been controversial. Some mm-hmm. of it's been, wow, I've never thought of that. Um, I just think that we don't give much thought to these assumptions, and I think I just want to wave the flag and say, don't let this podcast be the end of it. Yes, yes, exactly. That's where my thoughts were going, too. Um, let me uh, offer some thoughts in the direction of continuing on, and then let me uh, hopefully maybe tantalize our listeners with, we're going to come back to this in 2013 and, and actually make come back at it in some ways that involves some video and some online experiences as well, where we, we kind of teach through um, a whole series on how did Jesus look at life. And we can come back to some things like the arts and, um, and the scriptures and things like that. Um, in the meantime, a couple of resources that might be helpful to you. If, if you're not a reader yet of C.S. Lewis, we really, really recommend it. Um, you know, obviously, many people know the Narnia series, and his worldview just leaks all through that series, by the way. But a couple of books, maybe more in the direction of thinking through your assumptions. Lewis's little pamphlet, uh, his little paperback book called The Abolition of Man, 
really, really great book. Obviously, his book, Mere Christianity. There's a collection of essays that was put together after Lewis's death that essays he wrote called God in the Dock. And that is just some great, great stuff on kind of core assumptions about how you're thinking about life. Also want to recommend um, the writings of Francis Schaeffer. He was huge for me, huge for me when I first became a Christian. He, he really came at it from the assumption that if Christianity is true, it's true for all of life. It's not merely a spiritual truth. It's got to be true for society and culture, the arts, the sciences. And when I became a Christian, um, I was 19, I was 1979, and I wasn't looking for a religion. I wasn't looking for a church. I was looking for a worldview. I was looking for the truth. And I had the same assumption in me that when I find it, the truth is going to be true across all areas of life, sex, marriage, parenting, friendship, as well as, you know, international relations and economics and issues of justice. And that's the phenomenal treasure of Christianity. It is. It touches all of that. So Schaefer's writings. And then you've heard us mention the website and the writings of Dennis Prager. He's a Jewish thinker, commentator, has a radio show. Um, obviously not so much because Prager's writing necessarily from a biblical worldview, but he is a, such a clear thinker that he will challenge your assumptions. He'll cause you to rethink things. And he just says it in very simple, clear, you know, um, non-esoteric ways. So you go, I can understand that. That makes sense. You know, or you may go, I don't believe that. You know, and, and, and the good thing is, is then it forces you to go back to, well, what do I believe? And where did I get those assumptions from? Yes. What, what, what exactly has informed my worldview? Mm-hmm. So those would be those would be a few resources um, that you could turn to. And I think, John, um, some of what we're addressing here is just an orientation in life that says, "Well, wait a second. What does God say? What does yes. God think? What is yes. what is true?" Yes. You know, um, and I think having that posture of um, Asking God about all these things Mm. and then searching the scriptures. Mm. That's so huge. That's so huge. I wrote a newsletter on that. Jesus, how do you want me to be looking at this? Just that one question and how that's rescued me so many times this year in, you know, one scenario or another. Just pause. Jesus, how do you want me to be looking at this? Rather than just assuming that the way I'm looking at it is, yes. <laughs> you know, accurate, helpful, true, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus, how do you want me to be looking at this? And mm-hmm. rather than sort sort of swept along by emotion, passion, assumptions, what you had for dinner, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or just buying wholesale somebody's voting guide or someone else's guide to life, yes. and so on and so forth. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. This has been a ball. I've had an absolute blast doing this, and it is actually painful to say we're going to wrap this up uh, with this one, and we're moving on to um, some really great things we have for you in in November from uh, the release of our Pearl Collection, which is the best uh, the best of ten years of women's ministry at Ransomed Heart, and kind of pulling out highlights from some really great messages. Yes. We're going to do a few of those in November, and then in December, we're going to move into some thoughts 
that will kind of carry us through the weeks of Advent. So hope you've enjoyed this series on worldview. We sure have. Oh, we have. As always, we invite you to come and explore the treasure trove that's the ministry of Ransomed Heart. You can find it at our website at ransomedheart.com. And there's videos, curriculum, and workbooks. There's live events, all kinds of you know blogs, and obviously our podcasts and things going on there. And then you can also touch base with us as well on our Facebook page. Thanks for listening in. You've been with John Eldridge and Craig McConnell on the Ransomed Heart Podcast. We'll talk to you next time.